As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is presented by Racing RVs. Based near Dayton, Ohio, Racing RVs is your source for quality new and used trucks, motorhomes, and trailers. Whether you're buying, selling, or trading, make Racing RVs your first call. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your hosts, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. And the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Yeah. Running out of time, chasing down a finish line. It ain't over till it's over and the line ain't on your side. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening or what has happened in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and events in racing today. What's going on, Luke? Yeah, that was like the sped up version of the intro. Like was it? Blood pressure a little bit high today. We're in a rush to get out of here. I think we knocked five seconds off of that. Man, did I speed that up? My apologies. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, bud? I'm doing wonderful. It's uh, I've enjoyed a uh, a week or so off here, ready to get back at it racing wise. This weekend, we're headed to Bowling Green for the Sports Nationals, but. Uh, Spent last weekend in the shop, got to work on uh, my wife's new whip for a couple of days, almost uninterrupted. And um, I don't know if you follow us on uh, the Lupo Gaki Motorsports Facebook page, or I've yes. included some uh, sneak peeks in my on-the-road column on DragRacerSults.com. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased, but her whip is pretty, what's the, what's the PC version here? It's pretty bad. Careful. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> It's going to be really nice. It, it's it's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm I'm getting more fired up about it the further we go. I'd hope to have her on the track in it by now, really. But what I come to the realization of is that I don't really have time to put a car together. And I'm struggling with that. And, and yet I'm too um, hard-headed and particular to let anybody else do it. 
Oh yeah. Um, so I'm very anal. Like to the every bolt that goes on this car is is either stainless steel or titanium. I actually ordered some titanium stuff from uh, Bobby Die. Shout wow. out to uh, Specialty Fasteners. He probably hates it when he sees my caller ID ring up on the phone because I'm asking for some weird stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, that's uh, just a little sneak peek at the, how particular we're going to get on this thing. It's going to be pretty awesome. I'm excited. I saw the sneak peek and uh, I love the color combination. I look like I saw a little bit of uh, maybe like a purple or something added in there in one of the. I guess it was on maybe the shifter solenoid, but yeah, uh, the that it was car really that just came up driving was a Vega that her grandfather owns, and the paint scheme on it was pretty outdated. But yeah. those were the colors, so that's the the reasoning behind the colors. And then obviously Todd's Extreme kind of knocked it out of the park with everything on the new design. But it it is yeah. it's got a little sentimental value to her, which is even more special, and I think it looks awesome. So. It was looking really good from what I saw, and uh, that's that's not all you had going on. What, what else happening? No, actually, we're recording here, um, what, Tuesday afternoon, and I've spent the better part of today hosting a, a group of high school students from Leroy High School, which is in Leroy, Illinois, that's actually like 200 miles north of here, but uh, coordinated wow. with uh, one of the coaches there. He's actually a racer. And what they do, this is actually really cool. Like, I, I wish... I don't think this is common today, and I certainly it wasn't common 20 years ago when I was in high school. This is a pretty cool program. This is the last week of school at Leroy, and I guess the way I understand it, the seniors are actually out for the summer. Like they had graduation last weekend, so it's just the underclassmen that are still in school. And if you like, my wife was a teacher up until a couple of years ago, so she's the first one to tell you that the last week of school is kind of pointless <laughs> pretty difficult to keep anybody's attention and, and and chris said basically the same thing so they adopted this um, program a few years ago where basically i don't know if it's every teacher but certainly a handful of teachers basically set up various field trips throughout the week and they call it workshop week and um, Chris's workshops were all dedicated to motorsports. And he had a group of kids. There was only, I think there was uh, eight students here that came to the shop today. But they went to Indianapolis 500 practice session yesterday at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. They came down nice. here to the shop today. And there's a dealership up in that area that specializes in Mustang conversions. I'm forgetting the name. They've got a chassis dyno. They're going to a chassis dyno tomorrow. So... Pretty neat. Really cool. Yeah, three days for those kids. And, and it wasn't, obviously, that was the motorsport specialty, but he said there's a group of kids that went kayaking. There's a group of students that, you know, did various things. I saw some pictures where one of them was at a zoo. You know, different stuff for what appeals to each student. So it was neat to have that handful of students here that were interested in racing, interested in motorsports, got to tell them a little bit about bracket racing, talk to them a little bit about what they're doing in life and their goals and things like that. And it was just a, it was a fun experience. And to be completely honest, I did steal some um, some cheap labor there had eight kids there needed to change converter and uh, and justice dragster for the weekend so we uh, we got that knocked out so thanks to the kids from leroy <laughs> well done and uh, the chris you're referencing uh shout out to chris little he is a bottom bulb racer from the midwest and obviously a teacher there at leroy and helping those kids um follow their passion for motorsports uh, is a really cool deal so great yeah. to see that as well it was really neat like i say just uh super excited at the opportunity to be involved i've gotten to do a couple of things like that over the years I, I spoke in front of a group of younger kids at a local school ziggler royalton where our track owners at i-57 drag strip 
Scott Bailey's wife is actually the principal there at Ziegler Royalton. So I got to give a presentation for those kids a couple of years ago. And it's just a neat to interact with people that are that young, especially when you can get them interested, at least to some degree in, in racing and what we do. And then more so than anything, just try to hammer home the idea that, look, if you find something that you're passionate about, and it really makes you tick, well, then just go head first and pursue it, you know, and that's kind of, yep. that's what I've done with my life. And not to say that my life is one that anybody would uh, envision for themselves or envy, but like, it's all I ever wanted. And just to tell them look, that it, that's possible. I don't care where you come from. Yeah. Awesome. Really good stuff. What about you? What's new in, uh, in Jed's world? Oh, not a whole lot. You know, we had a lot of rain over the weekend, so uh, just kind of hung out and tried to work on some of my stuff around the house and hot rods and just getting ready to to go Memorial Day racing this weekend with uh, my buddy Brandon Taylor and the race he's putting on up at Steel. So it should be Alabama International for those of you who don't know where Steel is. Should be a good time. Other than that, JJ had his award ceremony I end the last week at school, and he's done. I'm officially got a sixth grader now, and we're just uh, getting ready for a, a great summer of racing where we don't have to worry about him missing any school or any of that. So this is fun time for me where his uh, schedule is wide open, and we can go do whatever we want to do without worrying about school till middle August. Brings up an unrelated topic that we haven't really talked about off the air. How have we gotten six months into the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast and failed to have JJ on the show to this point? <laughs> That's a good question. I, I'm not real sure. You... We need to schedule that in. So put put that. Yeah, down. I think it'd be good to have JJ on. Uh, he would he would enjoy that as well. So we'll we'll get him plugged in soon. All right, as typical or as usual, I think we've got a we got a jam packed show today. I'm sure we'll spend an hour talking racing like we normally do even though we try to keep these a little bit more condensed it rarely works out that way but last weekend was was nhra heavy we had a national event in topeka three division races from across the country we'll also go over some results from capital raceway and their big uh, bracket event last weekend had a 10 grand on saturday five grand on sunday as part of one of those divisionals division three finalized their all-stars team for the upcoming jake's all-stars in joliet we will talk about that and we'll Without going too in-depth, because we're not even to the halfway point of the season just yet, we did want to highlight some of the NHRA racers that are off to hot starts and uh, well on their way to at least uh, contending for national championships in the various sportsman classes. But first, Allstate news. Uh, as we mentioned, it's probably been a month ago, the deadline for Allstate payment was May 1st. I know a lot of it that's been filtering in, but there, I talked with Britt earlier, there have been 31 teams essentially confirmed. 31 states, or not necessarily states because I know there's a team from Canada, 31 teams confirmed. There will be a 32nd team just to make it even. And the details on that are not public just yet, but that 32nd team is going to be determined via a lottery among the states that are already competing that would like to send a second team, a B team, so to speak. So to keep abreast of how that's going to shake down and how you can take advantage of the opportunity to maybe make that 32nd team come from your state, start now by following and liking the Great American Bracket Race Facebook page so that you'll be the first to get that announcement when it's released and be able to keep up with exactly what's going on there. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, it's going to be really neat. 32 teams slash 
additional country involved in that. That's uh, I'm in 32 states, an additional country. That's that's going to be a good time, uh, and that is getting here in a hurry. I know uh, Alabama Slammers are in, and there could possibly be a little shakeup in the Slammers team. I'm waiting on yet waiting on somebody to confirm whether they've got a conflict or not, and. Uh, if that happens, uh, will our podcast listeners be the first to know who the replacement is and who got replaced uh, if that happens? Big news uh, all, down there in Bama. Yeah, I could already have a little shakeup, but if <laughs> if we do have a – if this person can't make it, man, I, I, we definitely got a great option. So yeah, looking forward to putting our team together finally and getting them involved in the – in the race and getting it all confirmed, paid, and done all that stuff. So yeah, and I'm be- looking forward as this kind of plays out to actually seeing the lists from each team and being able to go over them here on the podcast and give a a little bit more love and a little bit more insight to each of these states, provinces that are being represented. Yeah, that'll be a show all in itself, if not two of them. But it's gonna be, <laughs> For sure. But it's again, be a good time. Great American Bracket Race uh, Facebook page. Be sure to follow that so that you guys can keep up. You're not necessarily waiting on us every Wednesday to tell you what's going on. Probably get in front of that just a little bit by uh, liking and following that Facebook page. Yeah, and we will talk more about it, Luke, but just so nobody's confused, you do not have to be part of the All-State Challenge to compete in this event. We'll talk more about that as the months progress, but... Um, this there's a great show outside of that as well well for for sure so as again as we talked last weekend nhra heavy i guess we'll start with the the national event in topeka looked like they fought a little bit of weather there is three-day national event so it's kind of condensed but everything got finished up on sunday afternoon it's a pretty good job scheduling and working around that both by nhra and the racers involved top dragster win went to afton swanson afton defeated larry piper in the final round super stock saw jason deforest knock off pete perry in a double breakout affair stock it was my buddy jeff lopez the original tex-mex uh, yes i mentioned that nickname on a previous episode but i caught a little bit of flack for it because i think that i attributed that nickname to jeff's brother robbie as far as bestowing that on jeff and uh, another buddy of mine, Daryl Goza, has sent me multiple texts, uh, like, wanting credit for that. That that was very much a Gozaism. <laughs> so uh, I, I apologize to Daryl. I want to give him credit. He was he was probably right up there with uh, with Robbie in the in the bestowing nicknames department. So shout out to Daryl. Jeffrey Allen got the victory over Randy Lynn's ship in a double breakout, driving Johnny Gonzalez's beautiful Copo Camaro. Jeff was so congrats to him. Super Gas, another longtime Texas racer, Roger Warren, got the win over Jim Repka. Despite not going home with a Wally, it was a special weekend for the Repka family. That is, Jim Repka made the final round of Super Gas, was his first national event final in his career. His son, James, staged up for the final round of Super Comp, also the first final round of his career. On the same day, within minutes of each other, I think they were back-to-back on the racetrack, Neither one of them got the win light, but again, that's a pretty special day when you make uh, father and son make final rounds at a national event. Yeah, pretty darn cool there. For sure. James, runner-up in Super Comp, was to Austin Williams. And Austin Williams winning at Topeka is... It's my dog. Yes, that is, that's Team Jed, number one. Austin winning at Topeka is, uh, is nothing new. That is five national event wins for him at Heartland Park, Topeka. And five consecutive national event wins for him 
at Heartland Park, Topeka. Think about that for wow. a second. He has won that <laughs> race for five straight years in 2013, 2014, 2015, three consecutive wins in Stock Eliminator. This season, back-to-back wins in Super Comp. In total, five straight Heartland Park, Topeka national event wins have gone back to Texas with Austin Williams. It's impressive because you see racers, for whatever reason, like have success at a given facility. But like I think typically, most often, it's like your home track. Yep. Topeka's a long way from where Austin Williams lives. <laughs> um, like I'm trying to remember the geography because I made that trip a few times in my youth uh, when I lived in Texas, but it's like eight, ten hours from where Austin lives to Topeka. Now, granted, it's a race that he goes to every year, a facility that he loves. But when you think about like a number one, five straight national events, unbelievable. Plus, that we went back and thanks to to Mark, our assistant podcast, dug up a little bit more research. Uh, Austin won the divisional at Topeka in stock in 2014. Last year, he was runner-up in both divisionals at Topeka. That's um, crazy. Yeah, so a, a pretty incredible track record at that facility. And, and I think a little bit, and I was just kind of off the top of my head here with like some individual racers that you just affiliate with success at certain racetracks, like Peter Biondo at Reading. Peter Biondo anywhere, but particularly <laughs> like he's he's had a really track really good track record at maple grove gary stennett at brainerd again gary stennett anywhere but brainerd minnesota like he has dominated that race for a long time jr baxter we talked about a few weeks ago three consecutive yep. top drag extra wins at houston and i always think about tommy phillips at dallas at texas motorplex like i don't know how many national events he's won at that facility but it's a bunch and in austin's case he's won 11 national events in his career which a that's pretty impressive. 27 years old, but yep, five of them, almost half have come at Topeka. And I don't know the exact number, but he's won at least two, maybe three at Belrose. So like those two facilities, mm. you're talking 70% of his national event wins. Like that's, that's pretty wild. And I guess when you, at least for me, when you look at that, like beyond the fact that everybody I just mentioned is like awesome and they kind of can win anywhere. Like why I think the reason that that racers tend to have success at certain facilities is a like success breeds success. You know what I mean? So you get a little bit more comfortable and confident after winning at a track. But I think for the most part, like it's just kind of circumstance. Like there's no real good reason that, I mean, Tommy Phillips, like the Texas Motorplex is home track. So that's something, but like, why does Gary Stennett win so much at Brainerd? Why does Peter win so much at Maple Grove? You know what I mean? Like she wins so much at Englishtown, right? Um, I don't think that there's a lot of rhyme or reason to that, but in the case of Austin Williams, like knowing him the way that I know him, like, I really think his game is as suited to Topeka as any facility. And obviously Austin's incredible. Like he wins everywhere, but Topeka, if you've ever been there is like super tricky in terms of the wind is whipping 82 different directions. And I'm telling you, there's like eight flags that you can see from the starting line and there ain't one point in the same way. (laughs) And the weather from the time that you leave the trailer until the time you get back to the trailer is subject to move a thousand feet in altitude. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just, it's as wicked a weather swing track, particularly in the spring or in the fall as any place I've ever been, any place I've ever seen. Like it's very difficult to get dialed. And Austin, there's two things that really stand out to me about his game. Number one, like he's kind of a numbers savant, like for a 
a better way to put that. Like, I, Jed, I know you're familiar with how good like Kyle Seipel is with numbers. Oh, yeah. And Ridiculous. just being able to just look at a run or a situation and make a quick analysis that the rest of us don't really understand. And it's right. Yeah. That's how Austin is. Like, he's the guy that if you just tell him, look, I'm doing this, this and this. And he'd be like, yeah, put 270 in the timer. And you go, T- how do you know that? Like, and he's right. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and just picks up on round trends. Like, it's really impressive to watch. And, and something that even like, I feel like I'm pretty numbers oriented. A lot of the times is over my head, but more often than not, it's right. So I think there's something to that, especially at a track that is that tricky. Like, I feel like Kyle's that way at Sonoma. And I've always heard that Sonoma is tricky like that. But then I think even more so to to Austin's success at Topeka, like, is his willingness to just kind of throw caution to the wind almost on a, I don't want to say on a whim, but on instinct. Like he was telling me, I was there one year when he won stock. And I think it was the final round. Like he's telling me that, you know, most stock eliminator cars have a switch for the alternator, basically to power on or power off. Right. And on his particular combination, like, I don't remember what he told me. It was a bunch. Like it was, turn the alternator off. It picked up like 500s. And he went into the final. His game plan was like set up pretty honest, I think. And then like after the burnout, he's like, ah, screw it. It just feels slow. And he just turned the alternator off. Like went from pretty honest to I'm holding six. Heck with it. And it was the right move. You know what I mean? And I feel like you've got <laughs> to have the, like, that's pretty daring, especially in a national event final. And I think you've got to kind of have that club in the bag to succeed at places with such dramatic swings. Yeah. And I think that that plays into Austin's hands. So uh, again, like just a little bit inside baseball there, but I, I just, I think there's more to like, wow, that's really crazy that he's won five straight national events at Topeka. And obviously there's some good fortune that plays in there, but I do think his game and his skill set is very suited to the what it takes to win there, if that makes any sense. Oh, it makes all the sense. Uh, any Anytime you're at a facility that's throwing you a little extra challenge here or there, obviously past success and knowing how to uh, adapt to those is crucial. And obviously Austin's got that figured out extremely well at Topeka, among other places. Yeah, I told this there was a time in my youth that, Jeff Lopez actually like went on some crazy string where he went like a month without losing around at the Texas Motorplex. And I told him, I come back from a run. I said, man, you got to be careful with that thing you got. He's like, what do you mean? I said, man, you were bumping in staging. And when you, fl- you flicker in that stage bulb, the wind light was flickering right with it. Like you got to turn that thing off. Everybody's going to pick up on it. But that's, it's amazing when you just get to rolling, like, and they, you know, that wind light's coming on, you know what I mean? Like you, you oh, yeah. it'll do no wrong. And that's got to be the way that Austin feels at Topeka. But like we highlight his success at Topeka and I don't want to like make this the Austin Williams podcast. If I'm going to talk about him this much, we probably ought to have him on and interview him. But <laughs> overall, like, like I said earlier, he's 27 years old. And I don't think like certainly in division four in that area he's very well respected like i don't think he gets nearly enough national recognition because you look at the numbers and the the accomplishments that he's put up over the course of the last four or five years forget what he's done at topeka alone okay in 2013 which is really the first year that he really pursued the nhra national points chase he finished ninth in the world in super comp was just outside the top 10 in stock most people know in 2014 he won the stock eliminator world championship most of us forget that that same year, he finished second in Super Comp. Like, he almost yep. did what only Scotty Richardson and Jeff Strickland have done before. Uh, he was 14 points behind, or I'm sorry, that year he was 
like five rounds behind Edmund Richardson. Edmund kind of ran away from everybody. 2015, he backed that up with a number two finish in stock, was only 14 points behind Kevin Holmes. Last year, he led the Super Comp standings almost wire to wire until Nick Folk made that crazy last second run that we've talked about before on the podcast, had to win Reynolds, won Reynolds, and got by Austin by less than a round. So you're talking over the course of the last three years, Austin has won world championship. He's also finished second three times and is, what, two and a half rounds away from being a three-time world champion at 27 years old? Wow. Yeah. In, yeah that's, that's impressive. In two classes that, like, you can't have two classes that require, like, much more variance in skill sets. You're talking stock eliminator, foot break, yep. bottom bulb, full tree versus super comp. Pro tree, throttle stop, you know what I mean? Like index. Yeah, two different uh, worlds. Yeah, completely two different worlds. So, like I say, just really impressive. And his domination on the divisional level is like just looking at the stats here, he's won five division championships that's at this point, including four in the last two years. The last wow. 2015, 2015, division four champion in both stock and super comp. Worst, the, the year before, he was second in both classes. So, if that kid's not on your radar right now, like, and obviously he's on yours, he's part of Team Jed. So congrats to you. But uh, yeah, go Austin. Yeah, Austin's doing some big things. So. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> Outside of that, Luke, there was a, a Division Seven Lucas Oil Divisional at Fontana, and Austin didn't make that. So luckily for everybody else, uh, those guys got to race without him. But really cool. And uh, Super Comp had a matchup of brothers in the final. Gabriel Torres beat his brother Val by four thou. That was uh, that was really cool. Those are good guys out there. So you don't think that's been brought up in the days since within the family? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it has. Super guess was uh, Randy Bowers over Evan Kowalski. Top dragster was Dave Cook over hashtag Team Jed Thomas Bayer. So go Thomas, get me on the scoreboard and top dragster. Absolutely. Team Jed to the front. And unfortunately, it is completely overshadowed once again by the top sportsman results where Jeff Gillette got the win, which is rare for this guy to runner up in a top sportsman final. But Big Ed Open is toting that team Luke flag. I'm talking about carrying it high, son. Is Ed Open the most interesting man in the world? Like, does Ed Open go to races that he doesn't stage for the final of? He does not. Not in 2017, he doesn't. He has got to be the most interesting man. Man, he is. That dude is killing it in Top Sportsman. Yeah, had a good run in Supergas, too, but especially in Top Sportsman. Very impressive. Yeah. And uh, Super Street was uh, Trey Vetter over Pete Zack. And Super Stock was Ken Etter. Over Greg Luniak, which uh, Greg's a many-time winner out that way. In, uh, I hope Town- Ken was in yeah. the shadow. I really like the shadow. <laughs> yeah, I hope he was, too. Yeah, my, my mother had a Dodge Shadow when I was a kid. I was actually in an accident with her in a Dodge Shadow. So that's the only reason that I know that that Superstock Bar Connector is a Dodge Shadow is because I'm familiar with the brand, but I like it. I'm a big fan a little, of the shadow. A little-known trivia right How about there. that, yeah. <laughs> Stock was Tim Seymour over our good buddy Ryan Mangus, and uh, Mangus getting his uh, getting another final round in stock out there. I, I don't know what he was driving, but uh, I know he he drove drove the Lamb family stocker 
at uh, Vegas, but I don't know if what do you think Ryan was shooing out there? He, There's no telling, but it don't. I was going to say he's subject to being anything. Absolutely, he can get it done in anything too. Yeah. Uh, uh, I like, learned the hard way at Vegas several years ago. You got to be careful when Ryan gets the win on the interview. You got to re- remind him that that's a hot mic. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all tend to get excited, so I, I yeah. can understand that. Oh, he wasn't excited. He was just being Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> he was just telling you how it was. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Uh, his sportsman uh, motorcycle. <laughs> and then the notes, it's <laughs> a West Coast thing. I guess it is. They do, uh, they do sportsman motorcycle in Division 4, I know. So it's not exclusively a West Coast thing, but it's certainly not in every division. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Rick Newport got the win over Brockman Roberts. So a good sportsman motorcycle final there. I'm sure it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Like we mentioned earlier, the Lucas Oil Series, uh, NHRA Divisional Series, also made its way to Division Three at uh, Summit Raceway Park in Norwalk, Ohio. Fought a lot of rain throughout the weekend. Actually had to finish this race Monday morning. But my, uh, my Division Three brethren got it in up there, got everything done. Short week for those guys that raced Monday at uh, Norwalk. And a lot of those same racers are making their way to Bowling Green for the Sports Nationals this weekend. Be there Thursday or Friday. So short week for uh, for D3. But uh, Super Comp win at Norwalk went to Rick Schneider. Knocked off Davey Markle in the final. Super Gas, former world champion Jacob Elrod, got the victory over at Janice Swan. Top dragster saw J.B. Strasweg take out Zach Sackman in the final round. Top sportsman Jeff Brooks over Billy Thoman. Super Street Scott Statler over Taylor Cook. And Super Stock, one of your boys, uh, Division One guy making the trek down to Norwalk, Pete Diagnolo got the win. Pete D. John Freck. Uh, we talked about Pete D. just dominating the uh, IHRA event. Was that in Darlington a few months ago? Um, I would say... I don't know, he may have been to one of the Nationals on the East Coast, but I would say that this may be Pete's first NHRA um, appearance of the season, and no surprise to anybody that's followed uh, Superstock or his career, he leaves Norwalk with the Wally. Yeah, I think he's a racer, too. He is everywhere, racing everywhere in every bracket race, Superstock, Super Street. I mean, Pete show up anywhere racing. Mm-hmm. And uh, last but not least, Stock Eliminator at Norwalk. The win went to Tom Russell over T.C. Morris. So congrats to Mr. Russell. Um, like we alluded to earlier, Norwalk was the last event of the um, the season in which Division Three racers could earn points towards the Jags All-Stars. I guess everybody gets fired up about the Jags All-Stars, but I think it's particularly special in Division Three now that the race is at Joliet. Everybody kind of feels like they're defending home turf. So yeah. as a former member of the Division Three Jags All-Stars team, that's uh, something that those guys take a lot of pride in. Your comp representative for Division Three this year is my buddy Troy Galbraith. Superstock uh, representing Division Three at the All-Stars will be Jeff Donna. Stock, Andrew Hill, youngster out of Kentucky. Super comp, Phil Smite. I saw Phil had a Facebook post as to what it means to him to represent Division Three in the All-Stars. Pretty special deal. Very well said by Phil. Supergas, Division Three rep, is going to be the defending, reigning NHRA Supergas world champion, Miss Mia Tedesco. Super Street, Barney Barnhart. This will be Barney's first All-Stars appearance. I saw that in one of his Facebook posts as well, so super happy for Barn and uh, the uh, Blaster crew there. Top Dragster, I don't know exactly how this shook down. I don't know if JB had to win the event. 
or go rounds in the event to be the um, the top dragster representative, but he did win the event, and he is the top dragster representative for Division Three. So, congrats yeah. to JB and the dragsters for sale team and top sportsman. I know Mick Snyder was leading coming into the weekend because I talked to him earlier in the week. Mick did hold on and will be the top sportsman representative for Division Three. So, congrats to all of the uh, All Stars reps for the land of the winners that is the what is that the north central division so congrats. yeah and a tough looking team too yeah would there you were some division any of the seven divisions i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure uh division two uh had uh lucas oil series divisional in atlanta where a very familiar name got the win in super comp john labouche jr over bob walcott and uh, that was uh another big win for Caboose. A season he is putting together. Uh, We talked after he doubled up in Charlotte how he is. Obviously, it's very early in the season, and you hate to make any championship predictions because, as an example, Division 1 hasn't run a race, I don't believe. Division 5 hasn't run a race yet. So there's a lot of racing yet to be done. But if you had to set odds today, like, I like Little John's chances. Uh, yes. In both now Super Comp and Super Gas. And Super Comp, he has been to seven events thus far, three victories, 487 points through seven races. So, some quick math there that's averaging 70 a race. Obviously, with three wins and a bunch to throw away, he's going to be a significant threat. And that total is dwarfed by what he's doing in Super Gas. Another, again, three wins and seven races in Super Gas, 519 points in May. Is stout. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What is that? 520 through seven races. That's averaging over 75 a race. That's stout. Again, a long ways to go. I always feel like 650 is the mark. If you reach 650, you should win the world. It doesn't always work out that way. And sometimes the champion uh, winds up with less than that. But Little John is definitely going to be a major storyline and a major contender in both of these classes as it comes down to the wire. Yeah. Somebody's going to have to do something pretty special to even get anywhere near what he's accomplished so far but and you know it's inevitable somebody will put a great run together towards the back half of the season and push on little john a little bit but if he keeps performing at the level that he's performing it, it's almost a foregone conclusion and he'll be oh if he keeps up this pace yeah nobody's going to touch him but it's funny how that works yep. out like some like you say at least in one of those classes somebody will make a run and make that very interesting so yeah and uh, in Super Gas, John Taylor got the win over uh, Ray Ray Miller, where Taylor lit it up perfect in the final. I don't know the exact numbers for both, but I uh, know Taylor was perfect in the final. Probably needed to be if Ray put his typical run. Say, if I'm staging in the final beside Ray Ray, like I'm trying to be dang near perfect too. So <laughs> <laughs> pretty justified. Ray Ray was going for the uh, the Atlanta sweep. He won the. Uh, Won Supergas at the national event, what, two weeks prior, and advanced to the final at the uh, divisional. So he's one that, like, as an example, could obviously is talented and, and capable of making a run at Little John and Supergas. So, yeah, um, no doubt. Ray, Ray. And actually, that was kind of a theme of Atlanta. Like, I was there at the national event a couple of weeks ago, and a lot of the finalists from the national event were the finalists at the division race. Case in point, KB, Kevin Brand, and Team Luke. Oh, boy. KB had some misfortune in the final round at the national event. Made up for it at the divisional. Got the win over defending national champion. Member of Team Jed. Mm. Our buddy. Friend of the podcast. Even when I do good, I do bad. Jeff Strickland. Well, I mean, you're getting points, buddy. Precious points. Precious points. <laughs> uh, yeah, KB. Uh, I think my boy Strick missed it a little in the final. I did see those numbers. and 
KB put together a good run, got by him. That's a bad dragster, a fast car he's got. So that was a good lap for them. And KB took national points late, Luke. That's a, that's pretty good. Nice to see that for Team Luke. Good for him. Good for Team Luke. Good score going thus far for KB. Not Doesn't look quite as impressive as what, say, John LaBouche has done to this point, but two wins and a runner-up in six races. Can't argue with that. Um, long way to go, nah. top drag extra, but uh, I would definitely rather be where KB's sitting than where anybody else is sitting. He's in the lead. Yeah, no doubt. Over in Top Sportsman, uh, the Team Luke over Team Jed theme continues, unfortunately, where uh, Jeffrey Barker, which, I mean, like you said about Jeff Barker, all he does is win in Top Sportsman. You know, if not the fastest car most of the time, absolutely one of the top couple, two or three, and Getting it done over our buddy Hollywood on Team Jed, Donnie Urban. Yeah, I think I've said this before, maybe even on the podcast, but it, it looks from the outside like, I don't know, 30, 40% of the game in Top Sportsman is to get from A to B every single run. Because yeah. obviously, inherently, you got six second door cars, like that can be a struggle. Jeffrey Barker goes A to B every freaking run going six fifties. And he's incredible on top of that. Like he, I know that that class is far from easy. Jeffrey Barker makes that class look easy. It, I know it's early, Jed. You, you can't be feeling good about top sportsmen. <laughs> I'm not feeling good about any of them. <laughs> uh, there's a long way to go, but it appears to that top sportsman is going to be a three-way battle. It certainly is to this point between Jeffrey, between Ed Olpen, and between Sandy Wilkins. And it just so happens that back in episode 12, when we drafted our, our, our NHRA teams, we picked three representatives in each category. My three representatives in top sports were Jeffrey Barker, Ed Olpen, and Sandy Wilkins. So, uh, team Luke. Yeah, there's not even anybody I could get in the in the redraft that's going to help me, I don't think. I think you got this one sewed up. My boy Bogak knows his top sportsman drivers. Who knew? I mean, and I, I'll never forget you going, well, I'll, I'll just go with Ed Olpen after your pick was taken and you just reached out there and grabbed Big Ed and look at him perform for I you. I was playing possum. I had it all along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got that one locked up. I need some luck in the other classes, I think. Speaking of the other classes, Super Street, my buddy Gaines Hickman got the win over Bruce Bernston. Uh, Gaines, old foot brake racer, and then done some top bulb, and he's switched over and done a lot of Super Street the last several years. And done well. It was good to see Gaines get a win there. Uh, super stock. Uh, it wasn't Team Jed, but it is Team Alabama. My boy Rambo, David Rampy, over Alan Koshan, I guess is the is how you pronounce it. I'll go with that. <clears throat> uh, I don't. Rambo, uh, I I don't think he raced anywhere the weekend in between. I don't know where he would have been. We talked about him at the National in Atlanta. He won Super Stock. He was red in the semifinal round of Super Street uh, in his son Chase's truck. Fast forward two weeks to the division race. He once again wins Superstock. He also won competition eliminator. Rambo's got to be digging Atlanta right now. Oh, yeah. Got to be. A very impressive start by him. And I think that was uh, that was supposed to be a heads-up race in Superstock. I'm not sure that his opponent even showed up. Rambo uh -huh. appeared to have him covered by about seven-tenths just on qualifying alone. We know there was... Probably some more left in his for sure. So, yeah, I mean, I'm a big advocate of anything can happen. You know, it's heads up race. 
the threat of quote anything happening, I think, decreases significantly when David Ramsey's in the other lane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah if, if Rambo's got you seven tenths, uh, it's very unlikely you're going to get through that one. But he could have broke something, you know. I would have at least showed up. In stock, uh, Darren Poole Adams got the win over Jeff Strickland, which is Team Luke. Yeah, Strick is, is, is a man divided. Strick's top dragster, Team Jed. <laughs> man stock divided. eliminator, Team Luke. So as much as I enjoy rooting for Strick, I hope he really gets it done on the bottom in that copo. Yeah, well, he had another good performance and got some points on the board for Team Luke like you needed it. But, uh, you know, a runner-up. And uh, stock and and top dragster is pretty pretty good outing for him. Yeah, I want to backtrack just a little bit talking about David Rampey. We talked a little bit on the podcast, and and he hasn't come out and said this. And like, I'm speculating when I say that this may be his last year on tour. I know people have been saying that for five years, but there's not a lot of years left for David to keep racing at the at the pace and the level that he's been doing. And what he has done so far this year, like his start rivals John Labuse's. Again, it's early, but he is a serious threat to win the title in both Superstock and Comp. In Superstock, he's been to six events, has won three of them, including the last two. That's a strong start. That's a a stronger start than anyone's had in Superstock. And it pales in comparison to what he's done in Competition Eliminator. Uh, In Comp, they didn't run Comp at the Atlanta National event, so he's been to one less race where he had won three of six in Superstock. He's only been to five in comp. He's won four of the five. Mm. Yeah. So again, like I'm not predicting the, the David Rampey retirement story, but like if this was the last year, how fitting a way would it be to go out for one of the legends, one of the best to ever do it, if he would continue this role and win both the Superstock and Competition Eliminator World Championships? Yeah, that would be awesome. Not, I, I don't know if he can quit after that, but good point. Uh, maybe, good point. <laughs> maybe maybe he can if he wants to. But <laughs> in the middle of all that, I got to see the the cool meter pegged when he raced Adam Davis Chevette at Huntsville Engine Drive for five earlier this year. So I did actually see David Brackett race a Chevette at Huntsville. <laughs> so, How did that go? <laughs> I think the Chevette was still getting dialed in, so I'm not sure. I've seen some videos well. of the Chevette. It looks like it still has some dialing in to do. Yeah, maybe got some preload issues or something, but uh, it's <laughs> they're, they're working on Adam to get it straightened out, but... That was cool. A, a potential two-time world champion in the same year, uh, bracket racing a Chevette. <laughs> you don't Tagway. see that every day. <laughs> no, you don't. That was uh, really good. The one uh, NHRA class that we hadn't touched on to this point, and like I say, at some point we'll do a mid-season review and we'll do a Team Luke, Team Jed redraft, in which time, at the time we really dive into dissecting the points races as we get a little bit further down the line. But the one class that we didn't talk about at all was Stock Eliminator, and that's because, at least to this point, it, look, it's May and nothing is a foregone conclusion, but Kevin Helms has 590 points as we record this on May 23rd. <laughs> I said earlier, like 650 should win the world championship. So at some point, if Kevin can improve six rounds between now and, you know, November, he would have a total that I would say is worthy of winning the national championship. There are some other racers that are putting together what would typically be considered excellent scores. Um, Brett Candy's Jerry Emmons come to mind. And again, division one hasn't run a race. Division five hasn't run a race. There's a ton left to do, but 
If you were handicapping it today, Kevin Helms looks like the odds-on favorite to win the Stock Eliminator World Championship, which would be number five for that man. Yeah, yeah, Kevin off to a great start, and that is a heck of a point total at this point in the season. So he will be hard to handle, as he always is. Next up, got some bracket racing to talk about, Luke. Yeah, we uh, the, the biggest bracket race that I know of on the calendar last weekend was actually at Capital Raceway in Maryland. They had a $10,000 to win race Saturday, followed up by a $5,000 to win race Sunday. And as most of you know, um, if you're a faithful listener of the podcast, I don't want to say that we ripped Capital Raceway. We ripped the way that they handled their uh, decision to, to drop the modified class. Um, if you remember the show, like we understood the decision, even though I don't think that we necessarily agreed with it. Um, we were just a little bit disappointed in the way that it was handled um, yeah. in general. Like the way it was presented, I guess, would be the, the best way to say that. And then I think in retrospect, Mr. Bradshaw, that would probably say the same thing. I don't know. But in saying that, we want to uh, be sure that we give credit where credit is due. Because I talked to a few people that were at Capitol last weekend. And by all accounts, this was an excellent race. Again, 10,000 to win Saturday, 5,000 to win Sunday. This is what I would call a local, quote unquote, big bucks event. Um, mm-hmm. They had 180 cars on Saturday, like close to 120 on Sunday for the five grander. When there was over 100 for each day, uh, Mr. Bradshaw and the staff added $500 to the purse for each day's event due to the car counts being so high. So that's awesome. That's something you don't see every day. Yep. Um, and like I say, just all account, like I got, I have a copy of the flyer for this race. The payback is awesome. Like they're doing a lot of good things at Capital. We didn't mean to make it sound as if they weren't. We just didn't agree with that particular decision and presentation. But uh, by all accounts, this was an excellent race that went really well. The winner of Saturday's 10 grander, no surprise in that part of the country. Uh, winner was Alan Glatt. Alan got the win over Leighton Sumter. And then uh, again, the weekend closed up with $5,000 to win on Sunday. The win went to another buddy of ours, Tom Dauber. Tom Dauber. Red Rocket. Tom Dauber. Tom (laughs) Dauber got the win over Dave Weitzel. uh, Yeah, score two for the old guys right there. Yeah, how about that? A couple of experienced racers getting it done, Capital. And I did hear a lot of good things from the people that I know that were there. Um, My buddy Loose Change went live several times throughout the weekend and for the bottom bulb guys uh, they're representing, I think I heard about uh, maybe 10 of those guys showed up, took their shot at it too. So mm-hmm. that was, that was pretty cool to see as well, but um looked like by all accounts, job well done by Mr. Bradshaw and folks at Capital Raceway. Yeah. And obviously there's a lot that goes into getting that car count for, again, a quote unquote local two day race or single day event, but like the, the biggest key that goes into it, in my opinion, again, I'm looking at the flyer, $10,000 to win. It's $175 entry, which is fair for a $10,000 race. Sure. $3,000 to runner-up, which is not unprecedented, but that's that's heavy yeah. for, for runner-up in a $10,000 race. Twelve fifty to the semis. I don't know that's that I've ever good. seen that. Um, and then round money, $125 round starting with third round loser. Um, third round loser, not third round winner. That's an excellent payback, like, Again, $10,000 races on any stage, much less like a, a one-day or two-day race that's not part of a major event. Like That's why there are so many cars there. Track, yeah. track operators take note. Great point. It looked like a great event. Racing RVs is heavily involved in sportsman drag racing. They headline the NHRA Top Dragster and Top Sportsman Series. 
They sponsor all of the SFG promotions events, including the World Series of Bracket Racing, the Super Bowl of Bracket Racing, and the Powerball event. Racing RV sponsors racers including Austin Williams, Disco Dean Carnes, and our own Luke Bogacki. And they present this podcast that you're listening to. In short, Racing RVs is invested in sportsman drag racing. So when the time comes for you to make an investment in your own RV or trailer, we encourage you to support the company that supports sportsman drag racing. That's Racing RVs. They do it all. New coaches, used units, financing, trade-ins, consignments, you name it. They can take care of you. Visit them online at RacingRVs.com. As you've become accustomed to within the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, we like to shine the spotlight on major events across the country in a, in a variety of different forms, races that we're excited about. A lot of times races that we're attending, sometimes like we had Chris Forsyth on a couple weeks ago, races that we're not going to be able to make it to, but we think are excellent for the sport and we want to make sure that our listeners know about. This week, we want to talk about a race that uh, is a little bit closer to home, specifically mm-hmm. for my co-host, Big Jed. You guys are coming back to Bristol with the, is this the 11th annual? Number 11, yes it is. World Luke. Foot Break Challenge, July 6th through the 9th. I'm gas bagging here. I'll, I'll let you tell us a little bit about it, Big Jed. <laughs> well, it's uh, just a little foot break race, Luke. The BT World Foot Break Challenge is back for year number 11. I'm presented by the great folks at Yukon Gear and Axle and what they're presenting is $10,000 to win race on the foot on Friday and Sunday. Uh, that pays all the way back to second round winner. So you win the second round, you start making your money back. And obviously that gets better with every round thereafter, uh, every round win thereafter. And then Saturday, uh, sandwiched between those two tens is uh, $20,000 to win. The purse is 100% guaranteed. All races that we have pay second-round winners. We will start on Thursday with a test and tune uh, early afternoon. That will end somewhere around dusk, and then we get started with our first of two gamblers races that pay a guaranteed $3,000 to win. Second-round winners get paid. We'll do that on Thursday night, and then we'll do it again Friday after the $10,000 race. So five big races with guaranteed 100% guaranteed purses that uh, will be uh, paying second round winners so it's pretty good deal for the foot breakers get an opportunity to race for guaranteed money like that doesn't matter how many cars are there it's going to happen there's only going to be one round of re-entry doesn't matter what the crowd is we're not going to add a round to you or any of that if the crowd isn't as big as you want it to be or whatever and everything on the flyer that is says it's going to happen happens exactly that way it will be streamed live on motormania tv courtesy of the great folks at platinum products and environmental oil recovery so you know the folks that can't make it will get to watch online and that's always good to have foot brake racers on the big stage like they see that the top bulb racers get to do and you know we do this race on pre-entry or pre-entry option that uh, deadline is coming up midnight, June the 1st, to save the most money. You can get in the event for $450. You can visit worldfootbreakchallenge.com. You can look at the WFC Facebook page, or you can just find the flyer online. It's got my phone number on it. You can call me and enter by credit card. But we're going to have a free to everybody there, uh, racer appreciation or 
attendee appreciation barbecue, and that'll be a great meal for you Saturday night that everybody eats for free. So a lot of good things in this footbreak race. It is very special to me. Uh, my partner, Steve Stutz, and I started this back in 2007, and to be able to do our 11th one is something we really wasn't ever sure would happen, but uh, pretty excited to to have uh, BT on uh, on the event every year that we've been in existence and uh, looking forward to another great show, Luke. Yeah, I'll say it because I know that you won't, Jed. This, right, having been to the World Footbreak Challenge, having been fortunate on one occasion to win the World Footbreak Challenge, like I can say, this is the U.S. Nationals of footbreak races. Like, this is the longest standing event. It's one of, if not the richest event. The payback's awesome. The facility is second to none. And it's just, like I say, I think that this race holds more prestige and name recognition than any other. Um, And I think it'll always be that way as long as you guys are doing it. So, again, if you've never been to Bristol, make vacation plans. Like, this is one that you really don't want to miss, footbreakers. I appreciate that very much, Luke. Uh, we, we're very fortunate to have had a great following for the, the 10 events that we've done there. And they've, the racers have kind of put the, the BT World Footbreak Challenge on the stage that it's reached. And a lot of great help from a lot of great sponsors. You can find all that info on our Facebook page. Again, World Footbreak Challenge Facebook page or worldfootbreakchallenge.com. And uh, tons of great prizes will be given out as round prizes. You know, this really, truly has the feel of the big top bulb events that you watch online. And those of you that get to come participate will feel that feeling. So come join us in Bristol, July the 6th through the 9th. It's going to be an awesome time. Again, check us out at worldfootbreakchallenge.com or the World Footbreak Challenge Facebook page. All right. The 11th Annual World Footbreak Challenge is a little bit over a month away, but we are coming up on Memorial Day weekend, which I think for most parts of the country is a hot weekend, a holiday weekend. There's a lot going on. Like I said earlier, I will be at the JEG Sports Nationals in uh, Beach Bend Raceway Park in Bowling Green, Kentucky, one of my favorite facilities. I think that's the only NHRA event going this weekend, but as, again, a holiday weekend, there are small tracks, large tracks on every corner of the country that have big races of some sort, bracket events this weekend. I know just a few to speak of. West Coast Classic coming to Fontana. Again, we talked to Chris Forsyth, event promoter. That race is coming up this weekend for those of you on the left coast. The Money Tree Footbreak Race at Motor Mile, one of, if not the best deals in, in all the drag racing. Look at that flyer. Absolutely. That's coming up this weekend. And like I say, big bucks events all over the place. I know we've got one here locally at I-57 Drag Strip. Kill Care's got their five grand nationals. Numidia's got a big race. Like I say, there's probably a lot more that we're not talk- touching on. You talked about the big race coming to uh, Steele, Alabama. Lots of five, maybe bigger $1,000 to win races in all corners of the country on holiday weekend. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a great racing weekend. And, um, you know, I, I hope that uh, everybody gets the results they're looking for if they make it out to any of these races that you mentioned or whatever race you plan on attending. Yeah, I just saw a side note here for the Sports Nationals. I didn't realize this, and I'm going. TJ is going to be in attendance. Troy Jr., we've mentioned him on the podcast before. TJ is a big-time top fuel racer these days, but he's going <laughs> to be uh, racing in the sportsman ranks this weekend. I assume in Super Gas, maybe Super Comp as well. So, uh, obviously, that's nothing completely new. Jag does it all the time. Sean, Langdon, Erica, doing similar. But uh, I think this will be TJ's first venture back into um, sportsman competition since he 
turn pro, so to speak. So excited to see him there. Yep, no doubt. Highly accomplished sportsman racer. So I'm sure he'll come out just as good as ever. And uh, saw news as well. Uh, Dragway 42 in West Salem, Ohio actually reopens again after their lengthy multi-million dollar renovation under uh, new owner Ron Matcham. Looks like they open Friday for a test and tune. Um, got some stuff going on this weekend, so I know that that's been a long time coming. And all of the pictures of the work that they've done, like it looks like a really impressive facility. So super excited for everybody in that area to see that place opening up and uh, excited to see what comes next up at, uh, at Dragway 42. Yeah, I've seen some pictures. Looks like that's going to be a really nice place. And I know it's a, it's a place that holds a, a lot of uh, passion for racing. So an area that holds a lot of passion for racing. So hopefully they come out with a bang, get started really good. And Luke, I know this wasn't on the topics on the schedule, but speaking of seeing pictures of things that look like they're going to turn out pretty cool. Um, saw a couple of the Vega, the resurrection. I think anybody that, uh, that knows you knows how passionate you are about the Vega. So I'm, I'm excited for you. That thing looks like it's getting the works done to it. Yeah, I've never been one to be um, like really attached to race cars. I kind of look at them as a as a tool. My Vega is the exception to that rule. My, my <laughs> has found its way into my heart, and uh, after years of abuse and uh, borderline neglect, it's getting on the other side of that that coin this year. We uh, it's taken the year off. I am doing renovations to the point that I hope that you will not recognize it um, when it hits the track, hopefully in early 2018. Um, I won't spend a ton of time here talking about the details. I am blogging about it on thisisbracketracing.com. I think it's thisisbracketracing.com slash blog. Uh, you can see links to it on our Facebook page. But um, yeah, it's it's going to be... My original goal was to make it, dare I say, presentable because uh, I'm not sure that my Vega's been presentable for about a decade. I have a feeling just knowing how I am and watching this thing progress, it's it's going to go a step or two beyond presentable. It, it should be really nice. So I'm excited oh, about it. No doubt. No doubt. Looking forward to seeing it. All right, guys. If you have paid, been, if you have paid attention uh, or been paying any attention at all, you've heard me talk about This Is Bracket Racing Elite. And you may be wondering, what's that all about? This is Bracket Racing Elite is an exclusive membership community in which I personally work one-on-one -on -one with racers like you to strengthen your game. We work on all aspects, starting line, finish line, strategy, mental and physical preparation, and more. Regular trainings, interactive challenges, live chats with me are just part of the benefits of Elite. Does it sound good? Sound like something you'd be interested in? Visit thisisbracketracing.com and click the Elite link on the homepage for details. You want to make it in a song to do the Justin Lamb. Win a bunch of races and you do it with the fam. You do the Kevin Brandon, lay the smack across the land. Then you do the L-Ride and you come out like the world champ. All right, guys, that wraps up episode 27. I want to say thanks to our sponsors. These are the people that bring the podcast to you every week. This is Bracket Racing Elite and Racing RVs. I also want to say thanks, as always, to our buddy PJ North for providing the music to uh, the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast here with Luke and Jed. You can find PJ's work on iTunes. Uh, look him up. Make sure you check out his work. And I want to give a special shout-out to our newly hired assistant, uh, Mark Romeo, one of my footbrake buddies that uh, attends the World Footbrake Challenge. Uh, his help is is already paying dividends. And if you got ideas for the show, you can certainly message the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page, or you can contact Mark Romeo directly. 
he'll be glad to include those in the notes and see what we can put together for you. And um, certainly, uh, I think everybody knows by now, but we plan to release a show every week of the calendar year, and we're right on schedule as always. So make sure you tune in for plenty more going forward. We're the only Sportsman Drag Racing podcast coming to you every week of the calendar year. Come on, guys. We're awesome. We're also, at least to our knowledge, the only Sportsman Drag Racing podcast. So that helps. Um, If you are listening to this podcast, I don't have to tell you where to find us. You know where to find us. Uh, I can encourage you to subscribe. Um, That way you get the first, you get the notification that our our new podcast is available for anyone else. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and or Stitcher. Wherever you are listening now, you can probably subscribe to the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast. Tell your friends about us. Get your track involved. We know uh, we've talked significantly about uh, Greer Dragway and how they play the Sportsman Racing Podcast over the PA during downtime at the track. Yep. We would encourage more tracks to do that. We actually had a, a post go up on our Facebook page this week. So it looks like we got some uh, interest and some interaction there. So hopefully we can add some racetracks to the uh, Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast roster in short order. And like Jed said earlier, uh, keep up with us, interact with us by uh, joining Joining our Facebook community, we are the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast on Facebook. Touch base there. Touch base with Mark. Um, touch base with us on Twitter. I'm at Luke Bogacki. That's B-O-G-A-C-K-I. Jed is at JP11X. Until next week, over and out. Hope everybody has a uh, great holiday weekend, and uh, we will talk again next week. See you guys. Have a great week. Banging on the door. Bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. For breaking in anything. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.